Climate and Sustainability with Kevin James. And good afternoon to you, my friend. Kevin James, are you good? Yes, very good, Ernest, and regards to you and the team there, and to Lizette as well this time. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> receiving it all. Uh, Lizette is back up and running. All right, uh, Kevin, while the introduction of a carbon tax in 2016 is looking rather increasingly uh, like a reality, let, let's examine another environmental tax, shall we, uh, the plastic bag levy, to understand how it has fared since its introduction back in 2004 and whether there are any lessons to be learned. Well, yes, uh, Ernest, so just for the benefit of the listeners, uh, we did in- uh, introduce a plastic bag levy in 2004, back when uh, Vali Musa was the Minister of, Fina- uh, sorry, Minister of Environment. Sorry, It was three cents uh, per bag, which, which was levied on the production of bags. It's subsequently gone to four cents, and then in 2013 up to six cents, just, as I say, to keep up with inflation. So the proceeds were originally earmarked for developing recycling activities and facilities, creating jobs, skills, and really to alleviate poverty and all that good stuff. So that was it had really good intentions. And an NGO which we've spoken of before, Baisa Ebag, was uh, won the contract to collect and allocate these funds. But unfortunately, the company was wound up in 2011 uh, under quite a dark cloud and never to be seen again. In fact, I tried to phone them earlier and look for their website. They were gone. Mm. Uh, the DEA took over the collection of all revenue. So 11 years on, they've, um, they've uh, collected about 1.1% billion rand. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the, the environmental impact has been because the numbers are not clear, but what we do know is that only about 15% of this was allocated to the environment and, and maybe 10% of that 15% went to plastic bags, which means about 95% of this 1.1 billion rand was spent on other things. Uh, uh, that which uh, not what it was meant to be spent on. So the problem with these kind of taxes, Ernest, uh, and the way Treasury deals with it is that they refuse to earmark these taxes for the things that they were levied for. So not, you know, they should be spent exclusively, in my opinion, on recycling. So uh, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And and for all we know, I mean, 25% of this amount of money sort of equals the amount they were spent on Nkandla. So, you know, that gives me a chill when I just uh, think about it that way. But uh, taxpayers, you know, we don't mind paying taxes if the tax is spent on things that they were levied to impact in the first place. And that would make the world a better place, like recycling, renewable energy, efficiency. And the other point I want to make is we tax plastic bags and incandescent light bulbs. Why don't we just ban them? You know, rather than to levy taxes on stupid, outdated behavior that we know is not sustainable, let's just do away with it completely. So, unfortunately, our initial foray into environmental taxes has not really shown massive shifts in behavior as intended, and rather the money collected has been disappearing into the ether. So to your question, Ernest, uh, sure, there are lessons to be learned. I'm just not sure if we're learning them quickly enough. Well, I guess that uh, answers the question of one of our callers earlier on who wanted to know exactly that. Where does this tax levy on the plastic bags go to? Well... To save the world? Yeah, right. Uh, moving right along, uh, Kevin, China is Sub-Saharan Africa's biggest trade partner, isn't that right? Uh, which from a distance has clear benefits for the region. But as time goes on, however, some real sustainability risks are emerging. Please, please elaborate. 
Yeah, so this is obviously a, a big subject, and uh, you know uh, it's a topic that has been surfacing a lot lately. Uh, Sub-Saharan Africa is, has an increasingly strong relationship with China and dependency on China, for that matter. And we need to question whether it is indeed a symbiotic one and win-win for both countries. Well, let's take a look. With China's economic slowdown, obviously commodity prices uh, are under pressure, which has resulted in Africa exporting uh, less or getting less money for their exports and less money flowing into the local economies. I think what people don't understand is that there's less money to service increasing volumes of Chinese debt. So we're becoming increasingly indebted to China because their loans are generally uh, easier to secure compared to the, the getting credit from the West, and they generally have fewer conditions and strings attached. So some African countries are so exposed to commodity markets and any slowdown in China, which has already started, even if it is from like uh, 8% to 7% uh, in their GDP, it takes its toll on local sub-Saharan economies. So Zambia are heavily exposed to the copper price, as it's their biggest export. Mozambique is heavily exposed to falling coal prices, and Angola and other uh, countries in, in sub-Saharan Africa heavily exposed to the oil price. Just so you can get a perspective, 10 years ago, 5% of all African exports went to China, only 5%. Now, Chinese exports account for 25%. Uh, of all our all our goods leaving leaving the continent, so this is motivated by a very clear Chinese strategy where they import raw materials, whether it be food or or ore from our mines, and then they export it back to us value added where we buy the capital goods and value added products back from them so we're using you know these we're using the same raw materials that we exported in the first place so besides the economic woes of being committed in the long term to Chinese debt, the social and environmental performance of Chinese companies in Africa has also been brought into question. In fact, one of the big gripes of the local economies is that Chinese labor come in uh, at the same time to build these big infrastructure projects, which doesn't leave much opportunity for local communities. So I personally believe that Chinese uh, is a massive opportunity, the Chinese relationship. I do, however, feel they could do much better for Africa. But I think we need to see our leaders doing much smarter, more sustainable deals to ensure that African society, our environment, and our economies can prosper in this partnership with China long into the future and not only for the short term. Oh, yes, indeed. It has to be a give-and-take situation. Uh, Kevin James, we'll leave you there for now. We'll chat again next Wednesday. Take care. Thanks, Ernest. All righty. Kevin James, our regular guest here, talking climate change and sustainability from GCX Africa.